Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. This is Mark Kennedy, Hawkeye Psychic, presenting another uh, Hurling Podcast episode. I'm joined this week by Karen Collins, and great to see you back, Rory Walsh, as well. Lads, how are things? Good, Mark. Good, Mark. Thank you. Great, great. All good. Uh, I suppose tonight, lads, let's uh, digest what happened this weekend, uh, or last weekend, with the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. Leinster provided a few fireworks as well. Uh, Joe McDonough Cup final, one of the games of the season. Carlo beating Offaly, and we'll also have a preview of the All Ireland Under Twenty and Minor final set this weekend for FBD Simple Stadium. I suppose, guys, let's kick off at Munster Senior Hurling Championship. Two fixtures on tap here: Limerick hosted Cork, while Tipperary and Waterford faced off in Simple Stadium. I suppose, Cairn, let's get to Limerick versus Cork, which was televised live. On RT, uh, what an incredible advert for Munster Hurling again and for Hurling in general. I suppose, yeah, there was plenty of drama, wasn't there, really? And, uh, you know, I suppose a perfect day for Hurling with the, the weather we're having at the minute and, you know, 40,000 squeezed in and, you know, the noise and the colour and, you know, back to what we know it was. And, and that was an incredible game. And I think we've, we've been blessed this year with, a, with the Munster Championship, how good it's been, bar maybe one or two games that were kind of... Um, Bit of a letdown, but other than that, you know, the games have been, you know, really, really intense. Um, there's been only a buck of a wall between most teams, um, which it kind of shows that like the four teams, three or four teams in that were competitive, there's very little between them. And I suppose if you look at Cork going out, you know, on any day, there's only a point in, in the difference in the between Limerick and Cork, and, and the same with Clare and Cork, you know, and you know, obviously Cork drew a temporary, so it's fine margins, you know, and I suppose. Cork will look back with a bit of regret. Um, you know, I suppose on a different day they might have got a result in either of them three games, but you know, I suppose you, you have to do it on the day and it'll be a hard pill to take for the next while. But I, I'm sure look, we've seen definitely positives from Cork this year that I suppose we haven't seen from Cork in years gone by. And uh, you know, I'm sure Pat Ryan and, and his crew would, would build on that. And you know, it, it's been probably a good year through you know, there'll be more negatives and positives in a minute, but I think when they, when they strip it all back, it has been a good year um, progression-wise. Absolutely. Rory, we'll get you in there. I mean, start of this game was absolute whirlwind stuff from Cork, wasn't it? They weren't missing anything from 40, 50 metres out. Great movement in the middle third, creating space. Patrick Horgan, Hardeney, the usual suspects here. And I mean, looked ominous for Limerick in the opening 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, they were so clinical as well. And... Um... Just so composed on the ball. Um, we've seen before when Cork played Limerick, like the Limerick physicality has upset them in the past. But we could see from Cork, even in the earlier games this year, that they were, you know, it was a bit more steel about them um, and they were remaining composed on it. Uh, up in Ennis in the previous game, I kind of thought for a while, like they, they lost their way. They started well in that game as well, as we know, and led clear and looked really good. A bit similar to yesterday. They kind of, but yesterday I thought they played better for longer spells. Kieran Joyce, the centre back, is a revelation for them. Like he is their six now for the next like ten years. The guy's only twenty one years of age, uh, so he's really, really like uh, steady ahead. You know, didn't lose his cool at any stage. His position was excellent, and their half back line like did quite well. I know you're still saying Hegarty, um, Morrissey. You know, played really well for Limerick in the half forward line, but Cork half back line like you could say held their own and launched all of those attacks in the first half. As the game wore on, I think uh, Limerick began to you know get a bit more uh, joy in the half-hour line. But for a long spells, like, uh, you know, I thought Cork, Cork 
were well in the game. And also, we saw in previous years where if, when Limerick went up six, seven points on Cork, it was kind of white flag was waved. But yesterday we saw, you know, this new resilience that they came back at them and brought it right down to the wire. And had they got that equalising point, it would have been Tipperary who'd have been out, you know. And maybe you could you could say justifiably so based on their performance yesterday, you know, they couldn't Tipperary couldn't have had many complaints if they if they were dumped out yesterday. But uh, look, funny as well with Cork, um, like last year they qualified, this year they didn't, and everybody is saying, oh, there is more about them this year. Well, that, like that is true. Like last year they had two really poor performances. They uh, Clare beat them well in Turles, um in what was their home game last year. Um, because uh, Ed Sheeran wasn't it, and uh, oh, Ed, yep. And Limerick hammered them down in Parky Queeve. So, like, but this year they're way more competitive throughout all the games. And as Kieran alluded to, like, um, the margins were so tight this year that they could have been out and uh, could have been out uh, uh, qualified out of Munster. But um, yeah, so look, I, I, even even though they qualified last year and didn't this year, definitely the signs were a lot more positive this year that they are building something. And with the twenties in the Ireland final, and as we know. Um, some seriously talented players like Ben Cunningham and that coming through in that team. It looks like, you know, when lads are saying the Rebels are back, I think this time they actually could be, you know, which which makes Munster, you know, even more competitive going down the stretch. And if Waterford have a bit of a resurgence again next year, uh, if they can, you know, build on what they did yesterday, like it's going to be another minefield next year. But for the moment, I'm just glad Clare came out the right side of it because... Uh, even some of the games like Clare Limerick, Clare won by a point, Clare Cork, another point in the difference. Like those games flipped the wrong way, and you'd be, you know, sitting down watching the rest of the championship on telly, like without your county there, you know. God, when we consider the first round here, Rory, as well, from a Clare perspective, that home loss to Tipperary, you had been fearing on this, particularly in the preview of the Munster Hurling Championship, that that game, if the result hadn't gone Clare's favour, so it's all credit to Clare for what they've done. In terms of the rest around Robin, I suppose going back to the game here, Karen, goals win games, and Limerick got the goals really at pivotal times here, didn't they? And with Aaron Galan and Seamus Flanagan prominent in the insightful forward, yeah, I think because uh, it probably stopped the rot a little bit because Cork were on a bit of a, a trust, you know, they had six points scored, uh, you know, without reply for Limerick. Limerick went seven five ahead after 14 minutes, and you know, Cork got the next six points. and uh, you're thinking Limerick were not starting to bother, but the two goals, um, I suppose, in quick enough succession, um, closed that gap down again, and and, and I suppose made it made it a closer game toward towards half time. Uh, and I think that's one negative we would take from Cork this year is coming in and out of games. You know, I, I think we've seen it. The Tipperary game was probably their biggest um, period. Like Tipperary got ten points in the trot, uh in the second quarter in that game. And, and after Cork's quick start, like Cork, Cork were electric in the first, you know, five, ten minutes. Uh, you could probably say the same again the weekend uh, here. You know, they, they had their purple patches, but when the purple patch was over, they kind of went out of the game a bit. You know, so they went, they got their six points there and let Limerick back into the game before half time. Um, you know, and again, Limerick in the third quarter pulling away. Like, to be fair, seven, Limerick seven points up on the, on the hour mark. And you're thinking... This game is going to be an eight, nine, ten point win for Limerick. But to be fair to Cork, and this is the, the bit we haven't seen in the years gone by, is the fight back to come back into it. And we've seen it all year. You know, to be fair to to get the point out of the Tipperary game because you know once Tipperary got a handle on Cork that day, they were the dominant team. Uh, and again with Clare the last day, you know, so close. But to, like at stages of that game, we thought Clare were going to pull away and and win easily, but Cork didn't let that happen. Now. Another side of it is we, we talk about positives. Uh, we, we, 
you know, listen to Cork people will tell you about all these young hurdlers coming up. But there's still a reliance on Pat Horgan uh, and Harnedy. You know, 118 between the two of them yesterday. You know, that's where, you know, if Pat Horgan does decide to step away this year, 35 years of age, it wouldn't be, you know, um, a big shock if he did. Look, he's, I think he's probably still good enough to play. But if he does, where, where are them scores going to come from? I know Robbie Flynn was a, a, probably a big loss. But, you know, the, okay, there's young guys there, but there's big, big shoes to fill um, to come up to the calibre of, of, of Horgan and uh, Harnedy. No, absolutely. And I suppose Rory, you know, going talk about Patrick Horgan as well, 114 yesterday, made an absolute masterclass from him. He's worked great, turnover of ball, like thinking in terms of that opening half where he dispossessed uh, Cahill O'Neill, who got maybe kind of caught once or twice, particularly in the middle third. But, I mean, magnificent return from Patrick Horgan. Hopefully, we this is not the last we've seen of Patrick Horgan in a Cork jersey. And and that's something he's had to work hard at. Is, it wasn't naturally part of his game, the you know, the tackling, and you know, and, and it wasn't. But it's something he's, he's brought with him a bit more this year. Like So, um, often you think, you know, when, when guys are hitting that age that – you know that you're going to get less work right from him, but it's the opposite. It seems to be this year. You've Noel McGrath has never worked as hard uh, with Tipperary and has been, you know, in Tipperary's big performances this year, especially against Limerick, he was exceptional, especially with with these tackling as well. And we we had that from Patrick Organ yesterday too. And um, the one thing I do think Cork maybe are missing inside is is that big aerial threat in the inside, like Limerick have with Kalan. And Clare had with Duggan up in Ennis the last day uh, caused problems. I know Horgan caught a high ball that was uh, for a goal against Clare, but and Horgan is good in the air, but I'm not. But you know the, that real outlet that you can just launch a high ball in there, and um, because it's paying dividends as, as we saw on the Joe McDonough, which we'll get onto later on. But uh, it, do, it does help to have that. I know Dalton is very good in the air, but him outside at wing forward, maybe if they could switch an in around the edge of the square, if he you know a bit more often um harnedy as well like uh, kind of switching in and out but just maybe a bit more often have that big in around the edge of the square get him in around because as we saw like yesterday like galan in a way won limerick the game at his aerial ability inside and when limerick are in trouble you can just launch a high ball in and the knowledge that you know he'll either win it or break it in there and uh you know that that's maybe one small thing they're missing from the attack ben cunningham as we've seen is quite good in the air maybe it's something pat ryan and um, we'll try, you know, try and add to their forward line for next year. Just that try it inside, you know. I think the um, uh, Roy, like um, Gillan and Flanagan, just have that such a partnership, and it's built up like over years. You know, it's nearly telepathic at times. And um, as you said, if, if Gillan doesn't catch it, he'll break for Flanagan, and they just seem to have that, you know, like an understanding together. Um, you know, I suppose it doesn't come easily, but uh, I suppose the only thing I for Cork is like the they seem to rotate or 15 a lot as well so it's hard to get a bit of consistency going when you're you know like Darfus Gibbons midfield one day he's going forward the next and um you know they've played three different uh, full backs this year I know the full back has been a problem for Cork like we had Rob Downey Owen Downey and, and Damien Cahillan so I do think to a certain extent they need to stick uh maybe you know pick guys especially in the spine of the team and work around it but there's been a lot of chopping and changing um I know there's been injuries too but there's a, a lot of chopping and changing in Cork more so than other counties. Yeah, and absolutely. that's why as well next year, I think that you know they probably will be stronger because Pat Ryan is still only his first year. And, uh, you know, he was still probably, it was a still a small bit of experimentation going on because uh, in the league, you can only learn so much because teams are a lot of shadow boxing. So you only find out in, in the heat of battle, unfortunately, is the only way to find out. And I'm sure he has learned lots about, you know, certain players that, you know, he probably doesn't fancy putting out there again. Um, 
but uh, yeah, look, so that's another reason why I think they're probably going to be that bit stronger next year. Um, so that, yeah, the, uh, there'll be something to build on for them, like definitely. And they will take a bit of heart from it. Obviously, they're going to be gutted with how close they were, but they will take heart that things do seem to be going in the right direction. Plus, so, you have players come back in. Mark Holman, I think, as well, will be a huge addition next year. Yeah, Robert Flynn. Robert Flynn as well. Two players of that quality will add so much to that team. No, absolutely. No, I think the future looks extremely bright, and we'll talk about the under-20s, but even going back to Limerick here, Kieran, in terms of the midfield, I thought the midfield partnership of Darrow Donovan and William O'Donoghue, again, this is backs against the wall for Limerick. You know, all the media punditry that was written about him and, you know, uh, during the week, and I thought those two, particularly in terms of their link-up play, William O'Donoghue covered acres of ground in TUS Gaelic grounds, pivotal for that second goal for Cahill O'Neill as well, just before half-time, to kind of create a cushion now, Cork did come back due to, I suppose, Limerick and discipline. But I suppose from a Limerick midfield perspective, I suppose it's very heartening to see the midfield partnership really top of the ground on yesterday. Yeah, a real, real work rate, like from Willa Dunno. Willa Dunno, I think he's been, you know, the real, um, I suppose, people call the Terminator in there. Um, the work he brings and the disruption he brings to teams. But I think it was Willa Dunno's best game yesterday in a long, long time. You know, did a lot of work to get through. And I think, you know, with, with the half back line as well, I think, you know, even score wise, like, you know, uh it was a one six from the from the half back line, you know. Um I think Will Dunno had a point as well. And Barry Nash, so I think even from one to nine, like there could be one maybe eight or nine there, like, you know, which is huge. Um other teams don't have, but definitely that middle third, it was uh there was a lot going on there. And I think Limerick definitely topped that battle. And you know, I think we've had players for the last couple of games who haven't been you know shown that their usual form i think kyle hayes had a huge game yesterday you know i think he was really really impressive you know getting runs back up the field really impressive point there you know running the length of the sideline um just working really hard same with Crowe Hegarty getting back in you know it wasn't at his very very best but you know showing signs that he's getting back there you know um worked really hard didn't get involved in any off the ball stuff you know i think Downey was was golden there at one stage and you know didn't really react to such. Um you know, huge point at the end, catching a puck out and, and putting it over the bar to, you know, put distance between them. And um, you know, he, he definitely isn't a play, the player he was when he in 2020-21, but you know, he, such workers and, and the and the mileage he covers, you know, in the 70 minutes, you know, it, it, it's it's irreplaceable really. And um I suppose that's one aspect for me that I'm really happy with is the players who were a little bit off colour the last couple of weeks are starting to kind of come back into it a bit now. And, and uh, you know, I don't think the Munster final was on our radar coming into the game. It was, you know, all talk about just trying to stay up and, and trying to be the entire place. And, you know, obviously results elsewhere helped with that. But, you know, it's probably bonus territory in the fact that I don't think it was expected. I think you're one win away from being, you know, if you can get to a, an All-Ireland semi-final, it buys you some time. And, you know, um, that's the route Limerick want to go, I'm sure. No, absolutely. And I suppose Rory, I suppose concluding this, I mean, we can talk about the Limerick penalty all we want. I think Tim O'Mahony's missed straight after. I thought it was a major game changer here. Rory as well from Cork straight afterwards. We talked about that direct ball. And that was one of the direct balls that really did pay dividends for Cork. But going back to Limerick and that discipline issue, particularly the three backs getting yellow cards in the opening period, I suppose from a clear perspective here, Rory, you know everything that needs to be known about Limerick at this stage, but was there anything else that new here from a clear perspective that you feel that Brian Lowen and management may uh, look to expose given that performance yesterday? 
Um, I suppose that with the incidents of the penalty, like um, Galen will probably be watched a bit more closely in that in that one. Look, I, I wouldn't fault James Owens for it because like when we all saw it, looked the penalty. It was only the replay from behind the goals. You could see that you know that Galen had had a gun who was early, but that's like where there's umpires ten yards away from those things. Like, and I don't know, maybe the GA should actually for the big games have referee one referee maybe at either end as an umpire even just uh so when he comes in to consult like he's consulting with you know a guy who know who knows the rule book inside out as opposed to you know uh, a neighbor down the road who's helping out you know uh, doing umpiring like it's just a, a thought maybe when you get to big championship matches because even as well the the incident like the i thought i was 100 percent sure uh that Cahillan had picked the ball off the ground but then we saw another slow motion footage where there was an inch of a bounce um, so again, that that could be an umpire who was ten yards away or whatever had a view of it could say, oh no, you know, th- you know that wasn't a pickup. Small things like that, like. Um, but overall, like I, I wouldn't fault Galan for what you did. Like you you do what you can get away with, and if you've a subtle way of, of you know doing it, like of because as we know, like corner forwards, full forwards are being held, and it's part of the game. So for for it to go the other way around, if you can get away with it, and win a penalty like in a way because i'm sure it's been done the other the other way uh, players trying to get free out as well so um but yeah look from a clear point of view i suppose again you are kind of there there is still maybe that that discipline thing but as kieran said the fact that they kept their heads with the yellow cards because some of the yellow cards came quite early especially the two wing backs mm-hmm. and that you know the, in the past maybe another heavy challenge could go in and suddenly you've a red whereas there was nothing else and you know the kind of the players knew where the line was then after that. Um, so, yeah, look, oh, James Owen's coming in for a bit of criticism from Cork, but someone said, like, oh, he was 60 yards away for, for the for the Galan incident. But sure, like, the ball was struck. The ball was struck long from what, what he can't, like, he's not Usain Bolt, like, he can't be there when the ball has been struck and be there when it lands. So that's why I think, like, they're talking about having a second ref, but maybe just get the umpires to be a bit more involved in, in incidents, like, especially, like, ones at Goldmouth incidents like that. I think at the time, like I at the time, as you said, Roy, we all thought it was a penalty, and I suppose it took a few looks back. But you know, that's look, we're all we're all up to the slate referees, and uh, he had given a free against Galan earlier for the same offence. So I'm sure if he'd seen it, it would have been you know same same results. You know, I, we we've been we've been talking about this. The cows come home. Uh, there's no right answer, you know, but it's definitely the game has gone too fast for for one man. I think it raised the issue about maybe even just like a. Uh, you know, a TMO that the referee can review it. Just review it once. Um, uh, big, big, big decisions like that that can have impact games. You know, um, it, it, there's definitely something that has to be done because uh, the small little things like you know, a free given for a throw ball or a free, you know, which might have been a hand pass or you know, a pick up, they come and go in games. Like I say, they level each other out over the, the course of a year or a couple of games. But you know, big decisions like that, you know, that can impact the game have to be looked at. No, I thought it was an incredible adverse. And I mean, I think Cork exit the championship with their heads held high. And I think massive opportunity there for the next season to really put a marker down, particularly in the league. I suppose congratulations to Limerick. And I suppose the unlikely, when they went to the dressing rooms, they presumed prelim, quarterfinal, three weeks. But then suddenly got word from FBD Simple Stadium of the events that unfolded between Tipperary and Watford. And to be brutally honest here, guys, I was kind of dual watching it on monitors. Watford were top of the ground. I mean, last week, Karen, we'd kind of mentioned the Liam Cahill angle. And I think Liam Cahill probably dominated conversations with the sideline ban. But also, I think Watford had a point to prove 
uh, last uh, yesterday. And I think so approved. And I thought it was a very deserved win. And I think, to be perfectly honest, to tip, a six-point loss probably flattered him on the basis of the 70 minutes in Turles yesterday. I suppose, Rory, can get your thoughts first? Yeah, like uh, Waterford went with Desi Hutchinson inside, which is what the whole country had been screaming oh, at God, for yeah. the last few weeks. And it just makes a big difference. Put your best players in their best positions. And uh, and he scores 1-4, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, he was always capable of doing that. Like he's one of the best corner forwards in the country. Uh, I don't know. Look, uh, it, what it does show, though, is, is like the players were still playing for the manager because had they lost and lost badly yesterday, I think Davies' position would have been in trouble based on, you know, what had gone on previously. So, like, it does show that there was faith in what he was doing with them, and he did get the reaction needed. Um, the question marks, I suppose, now is why why did they do it in one match and not in... Or, sorry, why did they perform in two and perform so poorly in the other two? Like, that, that level of consistency, you know, you, you can still point fingers at management, I think, as well. And just putting your players in the best positions is maybe not trying to be overly clever by, you know, putting your corner forward midfield and... You know, even like um, Mark and Tony Kelly, Mossy Lines. So Claire have done this before in the past with Waterford, where if they put uh, Caleb Lines or somebody like that on Tony Kelly, they put Tony Kelly in corner forward. So you end up with a guy who has never played corner back inside corner back and one of the best forwards in the country. And um, you know, so I, so I think sometimes I, I don't know. Is there an element of you, you put a, a kind of a bizarre choice of player to Manmark, and then if he does really well, you get the plaudits for spotting what nobody else spotted. But uh, look, all credit to them yesterday. Like, there was superb performance. And um, you're kind of like all these, this kind of talk that Waterford were finished and underage, they're in huge trouble and this and that. Just sometimes a couple of wins and things can change very quickly. Um, so they need, to, next year is huge for them. They have to be competitive in every match next year. They can't just turn it on and off like a tap, you know. Um, but a big thing like having Patrick Fitzgerald, we all saw how promising he looked for Bally Gunner. Heaven himself and Desi, two lads, and you spoke here about a partnership of Galan and uh, Flanagan. So these guys are playing with each other with their club week in, week out. And so having the two lads in there together, you know, I, th I think it made a big difference. Waterford could could hit the full four line in the knowledge that, like, that Desi inside. And I think uh, Fitzgerald got three points from play as well. So that's one seven from your inside, too, like from play, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah look. Uh, that's that's the big question for water for next year. Like if they go another year without qualifying out of Munster, I don't know if they, if like big changes would be needed. But um, I just heard Derek McGrath talking earlier, and he was talking about that he didn't think the structures are too bad underage. Uh, that they've kind of been sorted, and we're not seeing the fruits of it yet. But like to lose every game in the minor and every game in the under twenty, and only win one game in senior out of so one win out of twelve, let's say, round robin games. You know, it, it is a worry. Like and. Um, there's no point maybe trying to say problems aren't there. It, 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 like looking from the outside in, um, like for a lot of those games in the round robins in in the under twenty, especially like they weren't competitive really in, in any of the games. I think there was one game that was that was a one puck the ball in it and the rest of them they were beating seven eight points, you know. So uh, look, the next year is huge for them. Like and look, they did have a lot of injuries this year as well. Um, but to come out yesterday despite the injuries and perform like that, you know, it does show that they do have faith in their management and. Uh, it buys Davy another year anyway. Do you think so? Yeah. Do you know, like up to this weekend, I suppose there's so much negativity. I, I think there's deeper issues. Like when you look back at the three or four years of round robin they've played in and they've only won win, you know, before Davy's time and, and before Liam Cal's time, you know, there seems to be something amiss there. Like, and, you know, I think Derek McGrath should learn from his past mistakes and speaking out. You know, I don't know, like the, 
the proof's in the pudding, really, isn't it? You know, and the, they haven't been winning games underage, and that just doesn't start all of a sudden. Okay, maybe the, the works are in, in progress there, but, um, you know, from afar, you wouldn't be too, um, I wouldn't be too uh, confident, you know, with that, just saying the works are there. But, you know, until they start winning games, you know, um, then you, you can start talking about, you know, how good they might be. But at the minute, I think there's still loads of question marks and um, I think there's some deeper issues than, than just management and tactics. Like, Yeah, and even from the county board point of view, like their county ground, like we've been down to Walsh Park, like is, I know they're finally doing works on it now, but but even still when it's finished, it's going to be still a small capacity, 15,000 mm. capacity. Yeah. But to give up two years of Munster Championship, have have to play your um, home games, you know, right, in Thurles sure. one year they come up to Limerick for a home match and they against Tipperary, um. So like to be like to be giving up your home games, so two out of the four years around Robin, it's just, mm. you know, it, whatever chance you have, like, you know, you need to be playing in front of your home crowd. And even they're giving out about the lack of support Waterford has, but if if you go and see your team play at home and they perform, then you're going to go and follow them the next week when they're down in Cork or up in Ennis or something. But when you're traveling for every match, like and 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 it looks like the team aren't giving their all or whatever, you know, against Clare especially, like, yeah, like that you, you couldn't, it, it is hard to ask the supporters to travel for four games within five weeks for every match. Like, so I, I can understand um, from, from a Waterford supporter point of view why, like, they're probably a bit, bit disillusioned with the whole thing. So, yeah, it does look like, like, they've had a lot of time to get their house in order and hopefully, like, next year that they will be back to, with, with with their home games. Now I heard before, I don't know how true this is that when um, Waterford IT were building their sports area, it's fantastic outside. And I'm sure the water yeah, that they oh, offered like uh, a chance to build a, a stadium there and it was turned down um, as a County stadium, uh, Waterford County board turned down the opportunity to kind of go in with them and have a bigger stadium outside there. So look, that it kind of maybe like they weren't really looking at the future and now it's come back to kind of bite them, especially as Kieran points out, like underage as well. It's a, it is a big worry. Like, um, th- like they're probably looking at the the health of the all the counties in Munster. Um, you have to say that they're the ones that look in the most trouble. You know, um, like, but it can turn around very quickly. Like, Clare were in a similar situation, uh, two not only just two three years ago, um, didn't get things right during COVID. Like, teams weren't really you know being looked after while other counties were kind of still going away with programs and doing a lot everything moved online a few teams around them were neglected and clear but like it just shows how quickly you can get things right again too especially with underage players a couple of of good years you know doing the right things and and things will pick up big time we've seen it awfully as well um so look it, it might take a water for a couple of years to get back at it back in the thick of it but uh, you still have to worry like I think it's an encouraging signs for Waterford, though. Uh, top top of the ground, middle third, particularly to tip for the Prairie full forward line was completely routed in that open period. I have a stat here: no tip forward score from play in the first thirteen minutes, and then for the last eighteen minutes, no score from play as well. So I mean, they were completely on top. Waterford fourteen wides during the game, and I mean, <laughs> you kind of think about it: this this result could have gone so awfully wrong here for Tipperary. There was a response in the second half then culminating on the Desi Hutchinson goal, which did kind of expose some defensive vulnerabilities. And I suppose, Kieran, it really did, for me, spell out an awful lot of maybe squad depth issues here from Tipperary. A massively physical attritional game against Limerick. There had been injuries after that game. More notably, Cahill Barrett and the full-back line. Also, Jake Morris, who we've talked about endlessly in the podcast, being a very prominent figurehead. And I think it so showed yesterday 
particularly on both sides of the pitch, I suppose. Karen, Liam Cal came out afterwards really very concerned about the performance and thinks there's a bit of a rebuild of confidence heading into this awfully game in three weeks' time. So, Karen, I suppose plenty of issues here for Tip to maybe address before that. Yeah, and I think you can add Jason Ford to that list as well. Yeah. Was, you know, the main man there. You know, I think we talked about this a few different occasions during the league. Uh, we predicted that Tipperary might struggle for, for depth. I think now it's starting to show that we these issues don't arise usually in during the league because there's certain players get bigger rest periods and, and so on and so on. And, you know, it's the the attrition and the, and the, you know the week on week of um of the round robin you know it's it puts a lot of strain on, on panels and you know once injuries start cropping up i think Grover connor went off as well the weekend uh or there yesterday for against waterford so you know that's another huge you know i'm not sure what the injury was but you know um another big player from young player this year but you know they might be used as an excuse i think Tipperary were flat. There's no other way of saying it. You know, there were a, a patch of, of the intensity in the work rate about last week against Limerick, but they'll use the excuse of maybe you know being down forward and, and Jake Morris. But you know, look at Waterford. They, they had no Prunty, no Jamie Barron, and no Ozzy Gleason. You know, which would be three you know major players in that team. Tip were just flat. You know, I think they were cotton hop. You know, I think mentally, the the, the word all week was that um, you know it was just a matter of showing up. You know, seeing the win out, Waterford were dead and buried. Um, I think that might got got inside their heads a little bit too. And you know, there's Tipperary lads booking buses for Munster finals, and don't feel sorry for them. But you know, that's that's the way it goes. There's nothing for granted, especially what we saw yesterday. Um, at any stage, Tipperary, Cork, or Limerick could have been gone. And uh, you know, until it's over, until the the final whistle goes, uh, you just don't know what you're going to get in um, with the round robin. And, I suppose it adds to the excitement of it all, but um, it's going to be a little bit of a low of Tipperary thinking they were going to be in the Munster final after how they performed last year and now facing into uh, you know a longer road. Some ways it might suit them, um, getting a few extra games, but you know if it's going to add to injury lists and, and uh, it's going to stretch the panel, it won't. Absolutely. No, I think it's food for thought there for Tipperary, certainly. And I mean, from Walford's perspective, I thought Davy Fitz and the management got their matchups completely right. The decision to bring Nolan out from goalkeeper to sweeper, I thought Liam Cahill and Michael Bevins were a bit slow to kind of react to that, particularly on the short puckouts. And Nolan had a glorious point there midway through the first half on opposed, really. And yeah, it just really showed the tempo. Two teams in completely different tempos. And three week break for Waterford as well seemed to be timely as well. And a team that the pressure was off. You know, and one team that realised very quickly in the first half that the game was getting away from him. I thought the performance for Tipperary was very flat, but maybe significant that Tipperary two back-to-back games here and, again, the second game, a little bit flat. Um, but, yeah, I think there's plenty to work with Liam Cal. Hope's not lost in Tipperary. I suppose, guys, can we get to Leinster Senior Hurling Championship? Plenty of fireworks yesterday, uh, particularly in Wexford Park. Kieran, you're at it. Uh, you're based in Wexford. It was uh, save our season all in Wexford all during the week. My question to you, Kieran, is can Wexford play Kilkenny every week? Because this consistency, uh, I just can't understand where this performance came from after the previous week. Yeah, but you know, if, if you were to think about it, like, you know, the, I, I think last week was just, you know, one of them things, you know, they had everything done right in the first half, 16 points up, fell away. I just, I can't believe on any stage. 
they didn't stop the rot. I suppose they had their goal chances last week, but you know, I think you have to give your your take your hat off them. Um the pressure them players must be nine, you know, going through all week. Um it's not like they were facing, you know, a team like Antrim or Westmead. They were coming up against Kenny, their their rivals, their neighbours, and you know, they were coming to to as I heard the Fraser to close it in the coffin and, and you know, to do a job on them. And I thought early in the game that's what it looked like was going to happen. You know, the two early goals for Kenny and you know, if you look at it, they, they just walked through the defence. Um, you know, on Cody was just absolutely on fire. You know, yesterday, unbelievable. Tom Fiedel as well had a great game, scoring one four. But you know, uh, Cody with three one, uh, massive game. But I think you know, I think Wexford just went back to you know the hurling of old. They when I saw the the full forward line named Roy O'Connor, Lee Chin, and Conor McDonald. You know, you, you knew that. The tent was going to pump long ball on top of you know of Chin and McDonald, especially they're the two ball winners, and you know I think that's what happened. They were nervy at the start; you could see it. They were taking shots on from like we've seen in the Dublin game from crazy distances out, hit a few wides, and you know they, they settled. They settled once I think, especially once the Chin's penalty went in, and uh, 24 minutes they settled, and you know Kevin's goal, he fold his goal quick shortly afterwards, and I think to. To bring it back in, I don't know if they were down with seven or eight points, you know, halfway through the first half, and to to go in at half time up by a point, you know, that was huge. That was a huge turnaround, and then, to then lead by seven points, you know, midway through the second half, you know, um, against the wind, you know, really fought for it. Uh, I talked to Kenny, obviously took the goal as well, and at times it was probably made a bit easy for him, but you know, they they definitely. Had chances where a lot of I think a lot of points were the miss, especially at the end. A lot of sloppy wides, and you know I think to be fair, Wexford dug deep, and I think Chin, Ocean Ford, it had a massive game. Um, Cahal Dunbar coming on to you know the sideline caught him a point to, to, to probably seal the win, and you know positives all over the field. But you know really it's papering over the cracks. There's there's issues there. Um, there's going to be a long winter, and you know a few months ahead. Um. You know, a lot of work is needed. You know, there's a lot of guys the wrong side of 30. We, we spoke with us over the last few months. And, uh, you know, it's while it was a good performance to to secure their, their um, Liam McCarthy status, uh, you know, and, and while they celebrated like it was an all-around final win, you know, when they go back home and they, and they think about it over the next few days and weeks, they're out of the Leinster hurling, they're out. This year, the hurling is over. And there's a lot of work to do. Absolutely, Rory, get you in there. I mean, it's a fantastic result for Wexford. I mean, but as Karen said, an awful lot of work to be done. And I think Lee Chin maybe eloquently raised that during post-game that an awful lot to do with structures and winning the club scene in Wexford needs to improve. So, I mean, Rory, it's a great win. I mean, great win for Darry Egan and the management. They've been under a bit of flack recently as well, along with the players, but as Karen has said, plenty to work on, particularly in this end of season review, but going into the league next season. Yeah, and finally the Leinster Championship delivered. Like there was a day of drama in Leinster as well as in Munster. Look, Wexford are surprising because um under 20, like for the last seven, eight years, they've had Kilkenny's number underage and been very competitive with them. Yeah, so like same at senior, but they don't seem to bring it through when they're playing the likes of Dublin. Um like even Antrim was was a close fought game d- down you know in Wexford Park as well like and uh, to to lose to Westmead then or, uh, you know after being up seventeen points like the, how can you do that one week and then beat Kilkenny the next week like it just 
you know, it defies logic in a way. And we talked about Waterford being up and down, like that must have been the most up and down seven days in the history of the Leinster Championship, like to go from that second half performance last week to what they produced yesterday. Uh, it just shows like it's there in them. Like if they can do it yesterday, why can't they do it throughout the championship? So that's something like that really consistency has to come in. And Leinster needs Wexford really competitive. Like if, if we ended up in a situation where Wexford were relegated next yesterday, um, like you, you would have a weaker Leinster championship next year, like no doubt about it. And uh, you know, and they would have only had themselves to blame had it been the case. But uh, like when you look at how how competitive the Munster Championship is, and we did say at the start that you know everyone named Galway Kilkenny as your two Leinster finalists, and that's how it's turned out. Even though Galway had a bit of a wobble yesterday, but like in Munster, you couldn't. I know it's turned out to be Clare and Limerick again, like last year. But up until the last minute yesterday, no one was sure what the combination was going to be. Um, so I think at one stage yesterday you had you had Cork and Clare in the Munster final. Then uh, you. Would, uh, obviously, Tip were never in, in a situation yesterday where they were going to be in the Munster final. But um, go, before yesterday, they were all they were the favourites to be in the Munster final against Clare. They end up with Limerick in it. So you know, right until the last minute, no one knew. Whereas, like in Leinster, you could you could you could easily have predicted that um, before the championship started that it was going to be either we we figured Dublin or Wexford would be the third place team. Dublin showed a bit yesterday, like they they outfought Galway completely in the first half like it was just pure will and desire as well and god could not get a handle on, on burke inside um so yeah look it, it it's probably a maybe a bit of a, a warning to whatever team loses the muster final will we'll end up playing dublin like it'll be a warning to them like that you know if you take your foot off the pedal at all like they have the ability to hurt teams you know yeah that was a mightily impressive first half performance karen from dublin they really routed Galway, particularly in that middle third, and I suppose helping no small measure with two absolutely kamikaze goals from Galway to concede. I suppose with Aidan Murphy, misjudgment, yes, but then the subsequent second goal, over-elaboration, passing from the back, resulting in Danny Sutcliffe going in for the goal. I think Henry Shefflin got the reality check yesterday with a few of the new players, I would think, lucky to get a draw, but realises if that level of performance happens in an All-Ireland qualifier series, it'll be an early exit for Galway. Yeah, I think one decision Dublin made that we questioned was uh, to to play their two home games at Crow Park, and I think they justified their decision for that. You know, getting the win against Dublin, or against Wexford and, you know, pushing Galway all the way. They're Dublin have pace, you know, they're a very quick team, and I think the, the, the big field in Crow Park suited their play. Um, I think Donald Burke probably wasn't at his very best we've seen in, in days gone by. You know, he, he's still at 10 points, and, but, you know, seven from place balls. Um, it's just, you'd worry, okay, they, while they had a great first half, the, the fall apart in the, in the second half, you know, only scoring six points in the, in the whole second half. Um, you know, it's it's great to, you know, to, to push Galway that far, but, you know, you need to back it up and come out again in the second half and come out fighting and, you know, and push on in that. You know, you shouldn't be letting the lead that that side slip um, at that level. I don't think like Dublin were fighting for, and they and it was in their hands to to go into a Leinster final. You know, I would say it. So, um, you know, while you know Dublin were good in the first half, I think you could say that Galway, you know, definitely got things right in the second half. You know, there's one period there where uh, Galway between the 44 to 52nd minute, Galway scored one four to no score from Dublin. You know, I think that really. Got him back on track, and you know, Mr. over the last, yeah, exactly, yeah, and you know, 
over the the last you know ten minutes. Then the the claw back was a four points difference in the sixtieth minute, and the, the claw that back. And you know, you I think to be fair to Donald Burke, you know, we've 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 talked about him all year how good he is, but that, that last point to equalise the game, you know, from the sideline, that, that was no easy point to take and free so for free, and uh, you know, fair play to him. And I suppose you know, while uh, Dublin will be probably happy with a point. I definitely think Michal Dunne won't be happy the way they fell apart in the second half. Yeah, thought Galway did make an awful lot of adjustments, didn't they? Particularly in the puck out. They gave an awful lot of puck outs in the centre half back, Burke from Dublin. An awful lot of easy outs, but they all pushed up on the puck out after minute 14. Joseph Cooney was brilliant, I thought, for Galway throughout. Particularly in that first half when things weren't going well, he was the one that was really kind of creating the running opportunities, the running lines. Five points from play. Kevin, his brother as well, tipped in with three points as well. I suppose the ominous point here was the insightful forward line impact at certain points. Connor Wayne was pretty nullified. You could probably talk about in terms of distribution. But all in all, I think Galway was a mixed bag. They got into a Leinster final. And uh, I suppose for Dublin here, uh, Rory, it's um, how would you define the, the Dublin campaign so far? It's probably had a few highs, a few lows, I suppose, yesterday. They have shown the potential, what they're capable of, but it's over a 70-minute performance, really. They, they had a zero impact from their bench as well when Galway were coming back at them and they needed, you know, subs to come in and make a difference. I think just missing the likes of Chris Crummy this year and that has weakened their squad. Like, uh, you know, Constantine came in, made no real impact, like, and just a few. Whereas Galway were, were bringing in subs that were making a difference as Dublin were beginning to tire, like, you, it's it's probably their their big weakness going forward as well. Like, if if they get a run on a, on a the Munster runners up, let's say, and they end, Dublin lead by five, six points. You know, I think the Munster teams will be thinking that they're going to be a point where, you know, the bench will 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 decide things. And looking at it yesterday, like Dublin need definitely need more of an impact coming off the bench. And um, look, I think Dunham will be happy that he's first of all like it. it you probably Wexford are probably slight favourites going into the championship to maybe get that third spot, um, like they did last year. But you know, um, Dublin, as we said, like there was a, a time yesterday where they were going to be in the Leinster final, which I think would have been huge for them. And but the way they like the way they came apart, and for, for in the end, Dublin were, were probably the lucky team to draw in the end. But being up 12 points in the second half, and you know, the, the, just the manner of the way Galway came back at them, I think is going to be worrying for Dublin going forward. But look, from a development point of view, I'm sure Dunahoo was delighted like that they're going to the All Ireland series now. Uh, even against Kilkenny as well, there was a that same like they, they hung with Kilkenny for a long time. And we're hanging in during that four, three, four point area where if they got a goal, they were right in it, but then just faded again near the end as well. So that's the biggest worry, I think. He has to, you know, whether it means rejigging the whole team so you do have one or two players to come in that will, you know, lift the team at certain points of the game. Like that, that would mean then he's not starting his strongest team, but he will have some sort of an impact near the end of the match because, uh, look, that's two games against the two bigger teams look just another thing as well like we talked about the difference in monster championship leinster championship i think if you give away the goals galway did in the monster championship you're not winning the match like yeah. we saw what happened clear in ennis you give away soft goals and you're out like your your chances of winning the game are you know minimal like so for galway it's actually as you said kamikaze goals is a way best way to describe them um don't know, don't know what murphy was doing in the first one like just kind of waved his early at the ball and let it slip past and then for tj brown to to play a ball like that across his own goals like in the yard at lunchtime a young lad kicking the ball across his own goal playing soccer you're giving out to him like let alone in Crow Park and you know he had a championship battle to do it like it was you know managed. but the fact that they kind of still came on and, and got a result and, and were you know last puck of the game 
they're out from winning it. It's kind of just, I don't know, I, I think Galway make mistakes like that going forward. And, you know, yesterday was worrying for Galway, I thought. Now it was it was the first time where you could, like, teams will, will see lots to, other management could di- dissect what Dublin did in the first half there. And, you know, there's a lot of work for Henry to do now to try and patch things up, I think, going into the Ireland series. But we do know Galway have this thing where they can come out with one-off performances as well, especially when they're kind of written off now too. Yeah, like, it's probably going to, End up Le- Leinster uh, runners up will be playing Tipperary in an Ireland quarter final, like so. Um, you know that's going to be an interesting game when, when it gets to it as well. And it'll be strange if we're going into the Leinster finals. But I think Galway, like Galway, haven't been asked any questions really this year. You know, obviously the the drew with Kilkenny, but they need a, a serious, you know, increase in intensity going into that Leinster final. And, and Kilkenny themselves have, have questions to answer. You know, conceding four walls yesterday. And then the, the injuries as well, obviously, Mikey Butler, Massey Keown and Adrian Mullen going off. I don't know, any of them guys will be fit back in two weeks' time. So I think both teams, while they're top of the group, I think internally themselves will have huge question marks going into that game and going forward towards the All-Ireland series because, um, you know, I suppose there is a debate whether the, the Munster teams are, are battle-hardened and have some, you know, huge games that are belt. And I suppose the opposite argument is, does it tire the mouse come the, the latter stage? But I think to have that for the likes of Limerick and for the likes of you know Clare going forward to, to to scrape by wins by one point and have to battle to win it, you know that has to stand here going going forward in, into the latter stages. And I think that's why you know there's obviously of talk on Munster versus Leinster teams, and that's why I think why Wexford need to be in the the Leinster championship because while this year they're not going great, you know under day they had to have very good players under day they're they're up there, and you know, I think to prove that last year they were pretty close to, to taking clear in the Ireland quarter final. Um, and again in nineteen, they were you know probably should have got to an Ireland final. So while their you know form isn't great this year, there's still not a, a whole lot off um, the bigger teams, and you know they're needed in, in Leinster because uh, you know as it it's not competitive as it is. Um, you know, and to have any chance of being competitive, these, these big counties, Harlan counties, are needed. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes the Leinster final as well. It gives another dimension because no, no team now is going to want to face Tip in a quarter final. You know, so it'll. Whereas um, the Munster runners up will fancy their chances against Dublin. There's, there's no point saying otherwise. Like they, they will. Whereas, uh, like you're, you're coming off a defeat of a Leinster final and you're facing Tipperary then a couple of weeks later. Like it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a huge ask for whatever team loses the. The Leinster final, you know, so um, I think it adds another, like all the talk that day. Both finals run the same day. Like all the talk is going to be Clare Limerick Munster final, but now you've to Kenny Galway will it, it will be more of a a knockout feel to that one, obviously, because you're avoiding hoping to avoid Tip, get an easier. I I, I, I agree. I I do think Tip will be there, but I I don't think t- they'll get it all the oh way against Offaly either. You know, Offaly are going to be hurting after you, after Saturday, um, and they've been you know they've been really consistent this year and. You know, up until a more, and if, if Tip played the way they played yesterday, you know, you, you'd fancy Offaly to give them a good, uh, you know, and not say they're going to beat them. You know, they, they, if Tip were to come up with the same attitude yesterday, they'll um, they push them a lot of the way. Yeah, well, if, if Offaly are coming off an under 20 All Ireland win as well, you know, they'll have momentum and yeah. huge support. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah, at the same time, like Tipperary have a good record against when they come up against like mm. the, the Joe McDonough. Teams are, you know, they have, seem to be able to put teams away as one thing tip to because they're so clinical. But as you said, like if they, if they, if there's a repeat of yesterday, like they're, you know, get off to a bad start and awfully a bit of momentum. But at the same time, like it, it's hard to see, you know, 
Tipperary being turned over there. You'd imagine Ford will be back by then, and you know, Kyle Barrett, Jake Morris will be back. It's, I think it's three mm-hmm. weeks time for that game, isn't it? So, um, you'd imagine the big guns will be all back. Exactly. And I think the likes of Morgan, I think, is unlikely to, or is actually progressing quite well. I think from Lean Kyle's perspective, Barry Heffernan is unlikely to feature given the post game comments. So, you all to look forward to. I suppose we can conclude Leinster here, guys. What a what difference a week makes. This time last week, Westmead were on a crest of a wave after beating Wexford. Today, they're facing the reality of going into Joe McDonough. Rory, I suppose, all credit Antrim. They went to Cusick Park, Mullingar, and got the job done under difficult circumstances. And But I suppose you have to feel sorry for Westmead here, given the result they had previous week, now going into second-tier hurling competition. Yeah, because um, I, I presume at halftime the previous week, they were they were doomed to, you know, down into the Christie ring and then, or sorry, into the Joe McDonough. And then um, for them to, you know, to turn things around and win the game, they must have thought like that, you know. And and there is a debate, I suppose, that another year with their progression playing in Leinster Championship would have bring them on a bit more. Uh, to be honest, I just don't think they have the pick. Like, they don't have uh, as big enough a hurling area to sustain. Like, um, But, like, for them to last year draw at Wexford, this year beat Wexford, like, it does show, like, they're not, they're not very far off the top teams. Like, but... Again, like it's going to be a minefield now next year to get out of John McDonough, even for, for Westmead. Look, credit to Antrim. That's one failing that we've had previous years of, with Antrim. But they were actually kind of getting turned over um, when it came to these games, you know. Um, they played, performed very well against the top teams when it would come to a, a, a relegation-type match that they'd often, you know, get turned over on it. So at least, you know, this year they kind of, you know, that didn't happen to them and they won the game they had to win, which was yesterday. Absolutely, Karen. Goals came at vital times here for Antrim, particularly in that first half. Two early goals. Now credit to Westmead after that card of Elliott. Uh, they went in two points up, but Todd Antrim's third quarter performance was absolutely superb. Ten points to three uh, for Antrim between the 41st and 65th minute. Really did seal the replacing Tier 1 this year. And I know the late goals from O'Neill and McNaughton really put a nice gloss on the result, but I mean, for Westmead, that third quarter is where this game was lost. Yeah, I think the only kind of part of the game where Westmead did well was just before halftime, um, getting that 1-4 and, and bringing it back to, you know, they were one twelve to 2 7 ahead, but, you know, yeah, that third quarter, 10 points to 3, you know, in, in favour of Antrim and obviously the two late goals, putting a gloss on it. To be fair, you have to say Antrim and control of that game from start to finish, bar that section before halftime. And I think well deserved. I think Antrim of the two teams have been, you know, they've shown a lot more this year. While they haven't won as, you know, as many games or, or won many games, they, you know, they've been a lot of positives in games, and they've been putting up big scores. You know, put up three twenty in Nolan Park only a few weeks ago. You know, and I think that's you know should have been Dublin as well in round one. Should have been, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the point behind there in the first game out. You know, they they are making improvements. Look, there's still a huge gap between what Antrim are at and the the top counties are at. But, you know, the the work is continuing, and I'm sure, you know, they'll, they'll make strides again next year. With Carlo coming up, you know, it'll be another battle for them. But I, I do think Westmead are at a kind of a crossroads now. You know, Joe Fortune said he's two years done there. You know, can he bring any more? I think there'll be a lot of question marks in Westmead this year. I think there's a couple of guys who are due to, you know, the age of retirement. And football will always be number one in Westmead. You know, I think as much as we'd like to see him come, come up more, it's... It's hard to see much more progression from them. I think after going down as well, we know how hard Joe McDonough is to come out of. You know, you're still going to have Offaly there next year. 
You're going to have Kildare, you know, sorry, Kildare gone down. You're going to have, you know, Leash, uh, Kerry as well, you know, some big, down, big teams to, it's going to be another, you know, uh, huge task to come on to John McDonough again next year. And I think after coming down, you know, I, I really think they're at a crossroads and, you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of, I think there could be a lot of change. Personally, I don't think Darry Egan is going to be in, in, in Wexford next year. You know, is Joe Fortune a, a possibility? You know, he's an unscorty man to take over. You know, I think obviously we're going to touch on the Joe McDonough. Um, Tom Mullally, you know, he's he's stuck with up usually, you know, I'm sorry to, everywhere he's been, he's had success. He was with the, he gave a spell with the Wexford under 21 a couple of years ago. He's a, a potential prospect to me, you know, to to possibly get the main job. Um, you know, but there's so many, so much change, I think, for, for Westmead. So I know the point I'm trying to get to, you know, it, it was a big kick in the teeth after last weekend, you know, the heroics and, you know, the celebration they had. I was talking to the guy locally who lived up there and he said they were on the beer all week. And so that's how much it meant to them. And, it, you know, it'll be a, you know, a roller coaster between last week and this week to, to then go down. So, look, I think they've been incredible. We often question how this, you know, had the motivation to keep going, taking beatings week on, week out, you know, every week from league into championship. It can't be easy to keep it going. And I'm sure if, you know, if you're not loving your hurling, it'd be, it'd be very hard to stay at it next year again. Um, so I think anyone with doubt will, will step away. But, you know, the, I think they've, they made great strides, but I, I just struggle to see him making further steps of improvement up along. Yeah, I think personnel changes afoot there in Westmead. I think there's one or two guys going to call it a day anyway. Sad to see the likes of Killian Doyle, Tommy Doyle as well, who's outstanding all season again. You know, the likes of Davy Glennon as well came in with a few points yesterday, but all credit to Antrim. I think it's a huge result for them to continue their player development and county inter-county development here as well. We know the club scene in Antrim is alive and well, and I think it bodes well for next season. I suppose, guys, we've talked about it. Joe McDonough Cup final. What an absolute classic on Saturday, Rory. Oh, absolute belter. And, Carlo, to, to dig it out an extra time after, you know, having the extra man in normal time, and you could say blue, but it looked like they blew their chance in normal time um, with the way the game finished, conceding the last few scores in injury time. Um, but for Carla, like it just showed, you know, um, uh, his name just uh, your man inside. And in we're talking about the the ability to win ball in the air inside. Well, and, Boland, uh, but yeah, and it, for him to score one three, Boland, yeah, to score Boland. one three and and create the penalty as well. So like it just shows, like he, I, I think there was an element of teams, you know, you're in training matches where you're marking a certain type of corner forward all the time, or you know, and then suddenly into a game and you've a guy who's catching the ball a bit unorthodox who's brilliant in the air and it can cause panic in a team and like I thought the off the full back line were fairly panicked every time a high ball came in there and um, to score 1-3 and, and also win the penalty and set up other scores as well um, you know that really kind of gave Carlo a, you know a, a weapon on the long ball as well look uh, all credit to them like because I even thought like Carlo looked at, at the end of normal time a few players were cramping and I thought you know momentum was going to be with Offaly going into the extra time but I suppose even though they're back to 15 players, um, the fact that they a lot of the guys had played, you know, probably had to cover for that extra man during the course of the 70 minutes, maybe, you know, came at them a bit in extra time because it took a huge effort for them to claw their way back to it. And, you know, when it looked like they were they were dead and buried in, in normal time. So, yeah, look, uh, fair play to, to Carlo who saw it out. And at the start, when we looked at the league, um, it was quite obvious what Carlo were at this year. Like, we were very worried about them and thought they had made complete... We got things... Well, personally, I got things completely wrong reading Carlo Biss and the Kildare score that, that from the league match where they got annihilated. But um, they obviously had their their 
you know, side set on, on Joe McDonough and well done. Like, I think they're a deserving team to go up. Like, um, they rode their luck a bit at times, especially against Leash, where they uh, equalised at the very end, last last minute goal. But um, when they got their chance and they took it, like, and fair play to them. And some of the hurling in it was outstanding. Some of the scores, long range shooting from both sides as well, for some outstanding points from distance. Um, Kavanagh again showed great leadership, I thought. Um, Dolan as well on the wing, excellent as well. Like, so you know, they deserved your chance in, in Leinster Championship next year. Like, and you just hope that they can be competitive. When we say competitive, like, I don't expect them to go out and beat Kilkenny or beat Galway, but just be competitive in matches and hang in, you know, hang in there and, and put up the scores. Like, Antrim are competitive in the Leinster Championship. Like, that's one thing you could say about them, you know, as Kieran said, like, scoring 320 down in Nolan Park and. You know, should be beating Dublin up in, in Antrim. You you want Carla to be a bit like that as well, you know, and not kind of go out there and take some serious beatings like that's that that would be a, a worry for them. But look, they were brilliant the other night. Uh, that was an unbelievable advert for the John McDonough Cup, which gets very little coverage. Like, and even if TG Carr or somebody were just given the games to show live throughout, because like that was the only game that was shown live, and the whole thing was the final. And like there are hurling people up and down the country who'd want more of that, like because. The, the teams are, are very close to each other which makes the games very competitive and look we ended up with an outstanding final yeah because we've covered this at length during the year the division 2a had so many subplots with kildare's emergence we also had the the round robin here where it went down to the last day of uh, the round robin campaign so i mean i was at the carlo leash game and carlo and for all intents and purposes leash looked as if they were going to win that game but carlo came back the last 15 minutes magnificently well and that was a season final performance but i suppose kieran you know accuracy from Hoffley, they're going to have an awful lot of regrets coming out of this game you know 24 wides there was five or six balls that came in short as well to tracy who cleared up i thought carlos proficiency in front of goal was absolutely huge and this is throughout the game they picked their moments well didn't they absolutely i think awfully i think the more pressure is on awfully i think because they they carried on the winning ways of the of the league into the championship, you know. But I thought at half time, you know, five points down, down to fourteen men. I thought it looked pretty ominous from then. And I think to be fair, the the fact that they battled and being four points down going into at a time to bring it back level, you know, fair play to them. Like there was, um, you know, like the my or whoever said off, um, Dara, what's his name? Said off early. Uh, yeah, Dara, 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 yeah. Like it was early enough in the game, so they battled a lot of that game with fourteen men. I think Rory hit the nail on the head where, you know, you you're you're doing that a bit extra to carry on for the for the for the for the missing guy, and uh, that shows, especially when you come into extra time, you know. And you know, I I thought, you know, while they were five points down at half time, to bring it back level into full time uh, and going back up to fifteen men, you would have been probably if you're a bet man, you would have been putting your money in awfully, you know, having that momentum. But you know, Carlo did battle. Um, it was just, it was just an incredible game from end to end, you know. But like 13, 24 wides in any day does not help your cause. I, I think as well, Cahill probably not as influential score wise. Like we've seen him put up probably 112, 113 every day he's gone out this year. But you know, he came in, came in with eight points, so you know, you know, on, on different days. But they've they had a spread of Killian Kiley with six points, David Alley with five points, um, Charlie Mitchell as well getting the goal and points as well with it. So you know. We, we've talked about the month's championship and how much of a roller coaster it is and the excitement it is. Sure, the John McDonough was everybody's exciting all year. Uh, I think Roy is a great point that you know these game, games need to be shown. You know, if they can show the Talton Cup and an RT, why can't they show the John McDonough Cup? You know, RT seem to be gone football 
mad really because uh I think even from a Wexford point of view, no Wexford game was, was shown on, on free or free tier RT this year, you know, and I think every county deserves their fair shot. Not everyone can go to games and uh or has access to to GA Go. And I think, you know, every county deserves to get there. From a hurling point of view, how do you promote it? How do you get young guys interested in their in their own county, you know? Seeing the the Carlo jersey or the Offaly jersey on TV, you know, that does the world of good to young guys watching it and you know, they want to be like them players when they get older, all this kind of thing. So while you know, hurling you know, the hurling people promote hurling, I think they, you know, likes of GA and, and RT need to do more. Um there's a lot more needs to be done, I think. Congratulations, Carlo, and commiserations softly. I mean, awfully into division one A or one B uh, next season. Uh, but again, that's gonna be no consolation for Johnny Kelly and management and players here. But I suppose looking at the prelims, I think we talked about the tip offly game. I think that might be potential banana skin for Tipperary. Dublin travelled down to Netwatch Cullen Park in three weeks to car against Carlo. Roy, do we see any potential upset here? Yeah, I, I think this is the most you know more likely upset in this one than in the Offaly Tip game because um, like Dublin have shown frailties like going up as we mentioned Corrigan Park in the first round and um, just coming off that that what was a draw but must feel like a defeat to Dublin to have blown a twelve point lead. You know, and you're coming up against a buoyant Carlow team now who, you know, that I think that that, that could be a dangerous one for Dublin. Um, but look, it, it'll sharpen They know that as well. It'll sharpen the minds for, for Donahue. In, in a way, it, it'll Dublin probably need a game to, to get the, the second half collapse yesterday out of their system. But um, Carlow will smell blood here, like, and, you know, they'll probably fancy their chances here of causing an upset. We haven't had one since Leash beat Dublin, remember? So Dublin have previous form in this, you know. I see that one as the more likely upset, really. Yeah, Kieran. I suppose from a Carlo perspective, the squad depth issues maybe surfaced only two substitutes before the eighty-fifth minute. Which, when you look at Offaly, we're throwing guys on here, you know, pretty much early on. So hopefully for Carlo, their key players are back fit and well for three weeks' time. But I suppose they'll give it a right rattle. They gave Limerick a right rattle a few years ago, I remember, down in Cullen Park as well. So Dublin can't really underestimate this Carroll challenge with Tom O'Lally at the helm. No, it's a free shot for Carroll, really, isn't it? And and I think with the three weeks, it gives them time. You know, they get their week, get the celebration out of the way. And, and, and I'm well due after winning John McDonough, they're entitled to celebrate. And they'll still have, you know, I'm sure Tom O'Lally give the week off and come back at it again in two weeks. And it is a free shot, really. I think there's no expectation in Carroll. But I think Roy said there, like, Dublin, you know, they have lost in this position before, and I think to be fair, Tom Lally, you know, he's um, I think he's just shown he's, he's a really, really good coach and, and, and manager teams. You know, he's been involved with with Clare and Kenny, Mount Leinster Rangers, even with the Leinster in the 21s. We saw what he did in Nace, got them to a they won the Leinster intermediate final, you know, and obviously with, with Carlos in 21, you know, he's done great work there. Jesus, we you know, talking about Carlo, man, Willie Mullins was a great lad to get a. A harsh prime for a big day and i think you could say like mullins they timed their own to perfection really didn't they you know i said the league form was was ropey at best um but week on week they were getting better they were scoring goals you know they were really attacking goal every day to a doubt i think that i think the turning point for leash was that draw uh I, sorry for carlo was that draw against leash and uh, there was a huge point to get and, and uh they really kicked on from there and you know this is a free this is a free shot for them and and i'm sure they'll take the chance especially when it's at home yeah, best luck to Carlo anyway. Um, so it'll be uh, 
I know down in Burris, Bagnallstown, even Carlo Town, it was pretty <laughs> buoyant on Saturday night anyway. Good celebrations there, but look, again, hopefully they'll give it a right rattle here in the All-Ireland preliminary quarterfinals. Guys, before we go, All-Ireland minor and under-20 finals up for decision in FBB, FBD Semple Stadium. Next Saturday, two more watering fixtures here. I mean, the minors, a very hotly fancied Galway against Clare, and then the under-20s, the Cork Juggernaut against probably one of the stories of the season with awfully under-20s. I suppose, Rory, looking at the minors first, I think confidence is probably high in Clare here to give Galway as good as they're going to get. Yeah, um, look, it's great that they're in the Ireland minor final. We haven't won a minor since 1997. Like even that team that won the 321 All Irelands in a row, they they won a couple of monsters, but never won an All Ireland. Um, so it would be nice to win one. Um, they don't come around very often. So when you're in there, you want you, you know you want the team to go out and perform. They look, they've been really good so far. And one thing I suppose the difference between both sides is Galway have a superstar in Aaron Nyland and. That's an interesting story. A buddy, a buddy of mine, his dad is over in America on holidays and, as you do, tuned in to Galway Bay FM to listen to the Ireland minor semi-final. And he he rang, he rang um, his son to say, uh, there's a lad from the Aran Islands playing for Galway. He said, come there, he's going about the Aran Islands. And he said, no, no, that, that's Aran Island. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Aran Island is a superstar, uh, you know, and he, uh, even last year, he was probably the best forward in, in minor championship last year when he was a year younger than everyone else. But, like, Clare have are completely opposite in that they've if you look at all their games they've spread of scores throughout the team uh, i think they've had they've had a couple of games where they've had 11 scores you know that's huge like a minor and if claire can hold nyland like and it's 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 a big if but if they can and um claire's star player as well is cornerback gunning the captain from broadford he's been excellent in all their games and he could be the man maybe for an island but uh to man mark because they're gonna have to try and man mark him and if they do they have every chance then as i said like claire seemed to have a, a larger spread and when you're with a team where you're relying on, on, on one guy you know to do the vast majority of the score and if there's ever a day when you know he, he's held like are god are going to have the, the supporting cast to step up like sure we'll only find out in the day but i think look clear will have a good chance but at the same time galway are favorites going into it like they have been you know really putting teams to the sword throughout the leinster championship and then look it may be a, a, as we said earlier if it's a tight game Clare have been in the tighter matches in Munster, maybe they might have that battle and qualities, but just great to be in the final. And uh, yeah, look, we're all looking forward to it, and it's great. The one weekend where there isn't a Munster Championship on, it's great to have the two All Ireland minor and under 20s. Like, they've, they, whoever did the calendar, like, picked a good weekend for it. Like, oh, gorgeous better planned as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, but Karen, I suppose, looking at Galway, it being based here in Galway myself, I mean, this has been a team that's been really highly touted since the start of the year. They had some prominent results even at Easter time. I think of that UPMC Northern Park result against Kilkenny, beating Kilkenny in the Leinster final, and then in the semi-final uh, taking Cork uh, to a three eighteen to one ten win. So I mean, there's a potent inside full forward line there, likes a rabbit here, Holmes as well, Gilligan. But I suppose Clare will be very confident here. I would think in terms of being battle hardened, as Rory was said. So. This looks like a game that could go right down to the wire. Yeah, I think if you look, I think the the more pressure will be on Galway because of what they've done so far. Like they've been beating teams by double figure scores. I suppose we always question how strong the Leinster Championship is, and you know, obviously certain teams obviously might be as strong as some of the Munster teams. But you know, I think you know Galway they really showed how good they are when they play Cork. You know, the Cork Miners, not, not obviously not a bad team, and you know I think Clare while they have impressed. 
and you know, and they've they've come with probably a harder path to get there. I think you, it is all about that one guy for Galway, isn't it? Aaron Island is putting up huge scores. And I think Rory said, if, if he can be held, you know, if on the day he can be held, you give Clare every chance. But I think just on the form of, of what they've done so far this year and the scores they've put up and how, I suppose, well they've beaten teams and, you know, and then the backroom squad that they have, the, the management there, you know, you, you'd probably have to say Galway are favourites, but, you know, these are young guys and it's an All-Ireland final who copes to the pressure the most. There's going to be a huge crowd here because Offaly alone are probably going to bring half of Offaly to, for this 20s game. So there's going to be a huge crowd, great atmosphere. And uh, I, I know this wasn't touted to happen this way, that the minor and 20s game were on the same day, but I think it's something that could be looked at for the future because, uh, you know, especially in, in Crow Park as well. And, you know, it's great for these young guys to, to get the opportunity and to play in such a big crowds. But I look, come back to the point, I think, you know, I think you'd have to put put Galway favourites, but I think I think Clare will relish the challenge, and you know they push them all the way. But I think for me, Galway will. Yeah, but even from a Clare perspective here, Rory as well. When we go to the you know, twenties in a minute, just in terms of the Clare performance against Kilkenny, I thought it was very impressive. I mean, the number of scores—I think it was twelve scores on the day. The distribution of scores, and as we've said here, Karen and Rory, if they can cut the supply of ball into Aaron Nyland here, I think Clare have a massive chance. But I mean, they've shown good scoring prowess here as well, Rory. So, yeah, and as well, just a, a shout out to two of the local lads here, um, Matthew O'Halloran, who was on the team last year as well and playing super stuff, going between wing back midfield, and Mark Sheedy and goals being sensational. He was last year's keeper as well. So, a lot of the Clare boys got a good bit of experience last year and um, where they ended up playing awfully in that Ireland semi final, you know. So, I think it stood to them throughout the Munster Championship this year. And uh, as you said, yeah, just the, the fact that. You know, it is a real team effort. They're not really relying on one. If if one forward doesn't fire, like they have, you know, scores from from, from kind of all over the place, really, and midfield as well are chipping in with scores every game. Look, like I'd give them a good chance, but uh, it's just it's hard to gauge how good Galway are. Like we, we before the championship even started, like word was that Galway were going to be the team to beat, and look, it has transpired that way. But finals are funny, and um, like these lads are only seventeen as well. You don't know who's going to get a good night's sleep the night before a match like who'll be awake all night look small things like that can affect players and um so look it, it makes these this age a bit more unpredictable so yeah i think i think if claire go out and give a huge performance they have every chance but um just the fact they're there i think at this age level you know finals are there to be won but at the same time just being on the big day getting players to experience that you know i think uh, as we saw with offley last year it didn't do them any harm to you know, have lost the minor final, even the circumstances they lost it in. Um, but didn't no harm this year. Like those players were, or seven of them playing in the under twenty team, like came out hungry to get out there again and experience a big day again. So uh, it's not the end of the world if you don't win. I know players will feel that way when when the full time whistle blows. But just the fact to be there on the big day, I think, is huge. Yeah, a little bit of hurt goes a long way, doesn't it, from a motivate motivation perspective, but. Yeah, we can get probably get predictions in a few minutes. Maybe under twenty final here as well, guys. Straight after the minors, uh, we have Cork against Offaly, and I mean, two teams here that you know an awful lot of neutrals have probably have had a look at. I think they've been two stories of the underage campaign here. Cork have been very impressive, but I think they've shown in the Munster Championship that, particularly Clare in the Munster final, that they really rattled into them in the third quarter, a sensational game, Limerick in semi-final, against an awfully team that are really kind of uh, put a head of steam up here, particularly with that win against Wexford in the Leinster final. So it'll be hopefully a good competitive game here on uh, Sunday or Saturday evening. 
Yeah, I think both teams have been impressive this year. Um, you know, look at Cork all along. You know, I think the the Clare games, I suppose, the last game, it really stands out. You know, they got a good head of steam and got ahead of Clare, but Clare battled back in the third quarter and, you know, they had Cork in all sorts of water. But to be fair, to me, it was the way they battled back. They didn't seem to panic. You know, they scored the last think, six or seven points to, to get the win. You know, Ben Cunningham being the, the main guy there. They're, they're, you know, they're young, they're big physical side as well. You know, I think when you compare that to Offaly, who look in their own right have been really impressive. They're a younger team. I think, you know, 15 of the, the minor team last year have come up to 20s this year. You know, 10 of the t- starting team will be underage again next year. So I think it shows they're they're on a different path. I think this Offaly team are younger and, you know, geez, you wouldn't be writing off from winning Ireland if they don't do it this year in the next year or two because, um, you know, we, we've seen how good that, you know, that minor team was last year. You know, I, I think when you look back at the the full forward line that was named against Wexford, like you, Charlie Mitchell, Dan Ravenel, and Adam Screeny, you know, that's as good as the forward line you'll see in, in any age group, in any county. Um, you know, and then you had like Dan Burke and, you know, you Spain behind them. And, you know, the, I think they, they're, they've balanced all over the field, I think, as well. We, we, maybe not so much in the Joe McDonald final, but, the Offaly teams this year have been really, you know, really set up really defensively and a strong defensive unit. And I think it was the same for that 20 team, especially against Wexford. Like Wexford, Wexford pushed them all the way. And, you know, Offaly with 14 men for the, the end of that second half, you know, battled well to win. And sure, look, the, the main guy behind it all, Adam Screeny, you know, if he just has a performance like he did against Wexford, you know, you, you give Offaly every chance. But I think just... The fact that they're on different paths, I think Cork, they're probably going to be that bit more physical. Uh, no, in saying that, awfully, they're not afraid to throw their, their weight about either. Um, they work like dogs, but I think Cork have been probably more battle-hardened. And, you know, well, I'd love to see Offaly win it. And I think it would do great for, for their progression and for the, the county's progression. I suppose, uh, Kieran, to wrap up here, just from a minor under-21 prediction perspective, who are you fancying on I Saturday? Think- I think in the minor game, look, I think I think you have to say Galway. I think they've been so impressive this year so far. Uh, the scores they've put up, obviously, look, the pressure's going to be on them, and I think Clare will give them, will give them uh, lots of it. But I think for, for me, Galway, and I think the 20s, um, you know, really impressed with Offaly Glass there. I, I just think they're they're on the younger side of the age group, and Cork will be definitely, as I said, more physical. And I think they're, uh, you know, Cork. Cork's record in the twenties last few years have been really good. You know, they've won four the last five. So I think it'd be really hard to pick this Cork team. I think awfully definitely in the next year or two, you know, you wouldn't bet against them winning Ireland at this age. Yeah, no worries, Rory. We we'll get you back in here just in terms of the minor under twenty. Uh, what are your predictions? <laughs> been a clear man in the minors anyway. <laughs> but uh, even on the under twenties, who do you fancy on Saturday? Um, I, I fancy Cork like. Uh... I think uh, Leo O'Connor deserves massive credit for what he's done with Offaly. Like, uh, we knew there was talent coming through, but they needed somebody with the experience to bring it through and, and get them to that competitive edge. Like, we have to remember, Offaly went into this championship as a tier two team in Leinster. And um, for them to, like, end up Leinster champions is huge and and fully deserves based on their performances. Like, uh, they, you know, they were convincing winners over Galway um, in semi-final and then to, like, you know, go out in, in the final uh, with with the pressure on and everything, and and you know, bring the trophy home again. Like it, it is big, and uh, we were saying there earlier with the Joe McDonough that maybe Offaly and Leinster with these young players coming through would have been, you know, 
uh, very important for their development. So I think it's very important that Offaly try and get out of Jumbo Zona next year with this talent coming through. At the same time, I think this Cork team are serious team. Uh, like that final, that Munster final against Clare was an epic match. Um, just the likes of Ben Cunningham there, we, we mentioned earlier, Owen Downey, like they have, they're a really physical team as well. Um, sometimes maybe on the edge of it, and it's something I think that their management are going to have to maybe warn them about in the final. Um, but big physical players, Ben O'Connor, um, Wilkes, uh, like they have, look, they're, they're, they're a huge team physically and, uh, and play that way too. Like they play a physical game and they have, uh, the danger inside then with, you know, Healy inside, uh, as well as Cunningham. Like, so there are, they're not just reliant. Um, like, uh, even though, even though Screeny is just out of minor, like he is their, their main man inside. Like he, he ignites the crowd. Like people say, you know, a 20 Kelly points were two, but a Screeny point is worth two as well for the Offaly crowd. He just, you know, he's a little magician. Like he's, he's hands, he's, he's balance, everything about him, you know, the only thing he's probably lacking yet, like obviously when he comes up against some of these Cork players, like just that physicality of, you know, that, that'll look, that'll come in time. But, um, yeah, look, I, I just think Cork are probably going to have a bit too much for them. Um, so yeah, I'll go, I'm going to go in with Cork, but like awfully, it's a fairy tale journey for them really. And I'm, yeah, I suppose for the two games for myself, going to just give a slight edge to Galway. But I wouldn't be all surprised if it is winning the last five, ten minutes. The battle-hardened team here is Clare. I just think that Clare are more battle-hardened. And if they can get it into the trenches in the last five minutes here, I think all bets are off. I think the under-20s, the fast ground here, this is going to be an absolute classic match, shouldn't it, lads? You know, just in terms of Cork are very easy on the eye, awfully traditionally great skill, stick hurlers here. And I think that could be a very high-scoring game. But I would edge it to Cork, just literally there's an awful lot of weapons here. And I just worry in terms of Offaly getting Adam Screeny, getting that insightful forward line involved here. But I hope that Offaly do produce an absolute massive performance because there will be 15,000, 20,000 Offaly fans here. And it'd be interesting to see from a Cork contingent perspective, this team has been well supported. But I mean, Offaly are going to probably outnumber Cork here two to one, I would say, in Turles, given the location of this final. And it's really going to create a very carnival atmosphere here in Turles. So, Look, we hope for two good, great All-Ireland finals in underage. And I think it's great that these two fixtures are on back-to-back. And as you said, Karen, I think we might have stumbled on something here. This may be in the calendar going forward here on a Saturday. In front of everyone, national spotlight, no provincials, no inter-county hurling here as such. Um, so, no, I think uh, it'd be all boating well here. I suppose, guys, we'll leave it there. It's been a lengthy one tonight, but we have plenty to cover and dissect. Many thanks to Kieran and to Rory Walsh. Many thanks, guys. I suppose next week we can have a review of these underage games, particularly the minor under-20s, and also have a kind of a preview of the Munster and Senior Harlem finals. Uh, lads, until next week, have a good one. Take care. You, Mark. Take care. You, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.